Here's the situation. You're allowed to take one unwritten rule from sports and make it a written rule, or allowed to take one written rule from sports and make it an unwritten rule. I'm TJ Jagodowski. I'm Rush Howell. And this is Here's the Situation, a very real podcast about very hypothetical situations. I realize I think, Rush, I sometimes say hypothetical and sometimes say theoretical. Yeah, I think it's fair to say yeah. either one of them. Today's topic uh, is rules and rulers. So mm-hmm. all of our very real hypothetical theoretical situations will be about those topics. Or loosely based. Or upon. loosely based. Sometimes I don't realize, like, what, what the hell set me on this path? Yeah, and often we just we go on a tangent. But, uh, okay, I've got one here. Great. Uh, so, TJ, here's the situation. You're a teacher. You have an open book test where kids can use their computers. There's one rule. You say you cannot use Google during this exam. After the exam, one kid turns in another kid for using Google during the exam. You bring him into your office and the kid says, I did not use Google. I used Bing, a different search engine. Mm. What do you do? Uh, I, I say, I guess what I say is fair enough, but I think you knew what I was talking about. Right. Um, so you didn't violate the, the word of the law, but you violated the spirit of the law. And, and I think you knew that, um, at that point, I'd also try and gauge, the kid, if the kid seemed in any part like actually sincere or whatever, then I would, you know, I'd say fair enough, but I'd like you to do it again. Uh, and this time don't use any search engine of any type or what have you. If it was just, just being like, you know, uh, not maliciously, but you know, pur- purposely like F you, I right. used, I used Bing. Then I think I would want to have a conversation about like, well, what's going on here? <laughs> what's our problem with each other that we're doing this? You know, that, that you, you feel that have I not been fair to you? Do you feel like you're, you know, like, um, whatever, not being treated well in class? Are you just rebelling against all sorts of authority or whatever? Right. If you, you know, chances are it's a smart kid, smart enough to be a smart ass. Um, so like you can do this stuff. So why don't you just do it that way? You know, like I think we can probably get along better than we are if this is how you want to go about your about your stuff is there any part of you or or any chance that you just say touche uh no i was gonna go the opposite (laughs) where you just say uh you know bullshit you're Mm -hmm. failed i don't cheated i don't think so but who knows if this is time time 12 you know then 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 maybe this is enough to 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 do it you know um so i guess it also depends a bit on where we are in our relationship mm-hmm. you know how much what, do we have is this just another another chapter in the same long history that that we've been going through um i don't my job is to educate so i don't know if failing him teaches him her anything so i'd like to think that somewhere there'd still be in me like I'm a teacher. I got in this to teach. Let me find a way to speak, right. speak to this kid. On a scale of one to ten, how how much blame are you putting on yourself? No, none. Absolute zero. None. Absolute zero. None. If if they have to start catering to a world where like, hey, don't use Bing, you know, and and Google, and uh, is Ask Jeeves still out there? You know, like then what? Right. what you know, like I don't want to live in that world either. No, no. I I think that. Uh, 
one thing that's interesting is I, I think the kind of kid that would do that, I mean, to me, the first thing I think about is that the kid is, it's less kind of like, haha and more kind of like, no, I'm allowed to use Bing. Like, it says Google, and it mm-hmm. doesn't say Bing, gotcha. and the rules are the rules, and so I'm going to do what the rules say, and sir, if you want me to follow the rules that aren't written down, well, I'm not really sure exactly what I'm supposed to do, because it's hard for me to know which rules are written and which ones aren't written down. This kid seems like a complete disaster to me, <laughs> and he also seems like the kind of kid whose dad's going to sue you yeah. if you fail him, because the dad's going to come, come in and say, yeah. well, wait a second. It doesn't say that you can't use Bing. So how can my son be expelled from this school? And his dad's almost certainly a lawyer. Yeah. Right? So <laughs> I just, when I thought of that, I just got so mad at this kid. <laughs> and I just went That down. you invented in this situation. But then I started to get upset at myself. And I, I was not like, I'm going to put zero blame on myself. I was like, I'm going to put like a little bit on there. Like I, if I'm going to make a set of rules... And it, the reason that I was interested in this question, because it seems like a simple, dumb little question, is... There are different ways to think about rules, and they it plays out all the time in like sports debates and other areas where it's impossible to come up with an airtight rule set. And I am a lawyer, and so I know that um, there is a tension in the law between, on the one hand, we want to write it all down, codify everything, so that because it's important that you know what the law is, because you know. If we're going to hold people accountable for the for breaking laws where they don't even know that it's a law, right? If somebody says, I didn't know mm-hmm. I wasn't allowed to have a bag of marijuana in this country, but turns out I can't. Um, if we're going to hold you accountable for that, then we should at least do absolutely everything we can to make sure the laws that are written down are fair and easy to construe. At the same time, people are always going to be pushing for loopholes, always pushing for ways to circumvent those laws. And I think there's an interesting question as to how much creativity we want to encourage in people in terms of following versus not following uh, rules. I mean, do we want people to be able to say, as long as you haven't strictly prohibited something, then I'm allowed to do it. That's the regime we should be under. Or do we want a, you know, hey, let's stick with the spirit of the the law and not the... uh, the exact text of it. And I always thought of like this interesting example in my criminal law class when I was <clears throat> just starting law school where the guy who smuggles three pounds of flour taped to the bottom of his car, hidden away in a bunch of tiny mm-hmm. baggies where he absolutely thinks he's smuggling cocaine. You can't prosecute that guy. The guy who brings in cocaine that he thinks is flour is guilty. Right, because the law is you can't have the cocaine, and so um, I don't know. I just think about those kind of issues a lot. So I was interested to just kind of how you would respond to a yeah, well, technicality thing like that. If, if but you can like if you're, you know, shooting a gun at a target, and it goes through the target and kills someone, you're still guilty. You'd be guilty of something in that case, right? Well, I think it would depend. even though it's like intent. So is that the same as like? Because in the in the flower example, his intent is to smuggle cocaine, right? Correct, but but the intent alone is not sufficient to be uh, a grounds for a crime. Just intent. J- just intent alone is not enough. Okay. 
whereas the other guy didn't have any intent. I mean, they're strict liability crimes. For instance, possession of drugs is a strict liability crime. Doesn't matter. Now that you try to create the code in in such a way that you think somebody's more likely distributing it because they have a certain amount, so mm-hmm. they they set levels on the amount. But in your example, if a guy shoots a gun and he's at a target range and he's using all the care a reasonable shooter would use, um, and for whatever reason the target is defective and there's a guy who probably this should never happen, but there's a guy who works in the place who is he's rounding up the thing. bullets like a guy in yeah, a driving like the, range. Yeah, exactly. He's going through. <laughs> and in that circumstance, you hope like the shooters aren't like, hit the kid in the cart and shoot him with the... But uh, in that situation, if the if you're using the reasonable care that you should, um, I, I think you know, you're know you not going to end up uh, guilty of any uh, neither a crime nor a tort, and you're not going to be either criminally nor civilly liable in, in that you know circumstance. I I guess in my... In, in, in my imagination, two of my classroom that I would have hoped to have established like a level of decorum that we like, we kind of, you know, like we get each other, you right. know, like I, so, so you didn't spell this right. <laughs> Assuming it's not a spelling test. I know what you're trying to to say here and would have hoped for that in, in return. Cause I also don't want to have to specify like, Oh, also fill this test out in either pen or pencil. I don't want it in right. blood or fecal matter, you know, right. like, um, well, you didn't say we could, you know, like that, that once, once that door is open, the amount of stuff, I, I dislike the fact that we have to, in ways, legally protect ourselves from either the most devious or dumb person in right. the world. You know, like if you have go to Europe and I've only been like twice, but if you go on a hike there, there ain't shit keeping you from falling off the side of a mountain. Right. You know, there's not even a sign that says, Hey, the world ends right here. Yeah, but, climb at your own risk. But yeah. here, you know, like it's got to be so like litigious. the right kind of chain and, you know, and strong enough that, hey, my, you know, there was four of us leaning against it. That's why it let go. But it's still your fault because you didn't count on four, you know, four people shoving on this thing. Right. That that I, I guess I'd, I'd, I don't want that in my classroom. Yeah. I, I Look, I think that you, you, you got to start from, I mean, most people think would start from a place of we want we want the spirit, not the letter of the law to govern. And we want to be more or less on the same page. And that's the idyllic situation. And then what, what I just see happen time and time again, based on the cases I work on is, is situations where over time, just various things have come up and you know each time this thing comes up you have to go back into the law and say oh god well yeah all right well if if more than four people lean on the chain then you're you're responsible for that because you know the law should be that you you're only we're only responsible for uh foreseeing what a reasonable person might do not what like a crazy person would do so you're but what if it's three huge people who weigh as much as the four other people you got to go back and rewrite that and rewrite that and rewrite that and it just creates these extraordinarily complicated series of laws but i also kind of think it may just be impossible uh you, you know to exist otherwise so i like taking like a very simple example like that where you would just say oh yeah you know i should have written uh, you can't Google it, meaning you can't use a search engine. Right. But even if I'd written that, 
you may you can always find a way right. to get around it. So, you know, little Bobby, like the whole point is you're only supposed to be able to use your computer and the textbooks here. And by computer, I mean the notes that you have. But, you know, it just takes so long. It's a fun exercise to do sometimes is to say, take something very simple or relatively simple and just explain it in the fewest possible words, but encapsulate right. everything. Is there is there a difference... Like, let's say the statute against murder. Is there a difference in the way that statute would be written if it was designed to protect people from being murdered as opposed to punish people who do murder? Would the actual would the actual text of that law be any different? I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I wouldn't think so, but I'd, I'd have to think harder about it. I mean, the, so there's not like... There's something called the Model Penal Code that that is a bunch of the smartest like lawmakers around thinking about how to draft things like how are we going to define murder, what needs to go into uh, what is a murder, what's first degree murder, what's a second degree, what do we want to do, and all that sort of stuff. Because you know, it, most of these like crimes like that are are creatures of you know various conflicting state statutes and and state common law. And everything else, you know, in 50 different jurisdictions. And so it is interesting to think about the the drafters of the model penal code because they they really thought in those terms, right? Like, what's the best way to try to structure it? And, of course, with both the criminal laws and the tort laws, you have three separate, like, important goals. And they sometimes are conflicting. One is fairness. A second is deterrence, right? So if I have a, if I have a rule about, you know, you hit my car, you know while you were speeding, I mean, part of what I want to do is I want you to have to pay for it because that just feels fair. Mm-hmm. I didn't violate any laws. I shouldn't have to pay it. Second thing, though, is you you, you may want to make them pay even more than it's fair because you, you may want to deter it again. Concept. Right? And then there's a third one that's um, more like a visceral punishment concept, which okay. is I don't care whether this is actually going to stop people from doing this in the future, but you have done something so wrong that you need to receive. You, you know, don't a type deserve of to walk around with the rest of society for a period of time. Right. And I, I think people there, you know, very, um, I mean, I'm oversimplifying this uh, Mm -hmm. quite a bit, but there, there are very, uh, adamant proponents of different, uh, aspects of that. There are people who say, look, the research suggests that deterrence doesn't really work. Um, you know, like think about something like the death penalty, right. Too, like you can come at that from all sorts of different angles, but like, you know, where, where, if I'm a true believer in deterrence, am I willing to say the deterrence is so important? I'm willing to support something like the death penalty to stop this from happening to other folks and so forth and so on. So anyway, not to get too far sidetracked down that, but I think mm-hmm. as long as we're going to talk about rules, I can't help right. but talk about like <laughs> the structures that we put in place um, and how hard it is to write rules. It's incredibly difficult. Even when you like, like I've designed a couple board games just trying to get the rules down on something, it's it's very difficult because there's always like a, well, okay, but what about this? And you're like, well, funny you should mention it, Rush. Huh? Okay. I have one for you that that you you may enjoy. I was going to save it till the right. end because it was I think it was my favorite. And knowing you a little bit, that I thought it might be your favorite. Um, but we'll go right into it. Seems okay. like the segue is too good not to. So uh, here's the situation. I'm going to give you the object of a board game. I'd like you to give me at least one of the rules of the game. Sure. Okay? So the object of the game is to protect all of your tadpoles until they reach maturity 
by maintaining a healthy ecosystem and avoiding the game's predators. Okay, great. Um, I like it. I like thinking about a theme of the game and what you're trying to accomplish. So the I think it's going to need I, I'm, I'm in, immediately drawn to a system where the predators move at random. Okay. <laughs> okay. Because it's a. It sounds like it could be a game where it's either, uh, you could maybe even play it um, one player, you know, solo, where uh, rather than playing against an opponent, you can play against a randomized deck of actions uh-huh, for a bunch gotcha. of predators because that could be interesting. I also like uh, kind of a survival of the fittest type game where you, maybe you can play with four people, and the goal is who can have the ecosystem that's thriving the most mm-hmm. by the end. And so there would be ways that you could interact with one another, but I like I like in this in this kind of context I like the some sort of existential threat that is controlled by the game itself. Mm. And so one of the rules I would have is I would make a a deck of various movements by predators such that you you couldn't know for sure what they were going to do, but you would have a sense as to how to guard against the most possible different outcomes. So you might land on a particular square at which point you have to draw a card from that deck or something. I, the, what I'm in thinking about would be a there's a, a special deck of cards that's used by each of the different predators, right? So you have different types and something like at the end of your turn, you, you've moved you've moved your pieces and you've set up and you've you've chose whatever actions you want and maybe I would be drawn to a thing where you get like you have like three or four tadpoles and they can each take different actions to try to best you know facilitate or maybe <laughs> it's probably if you're protecting the tadpoles it's more like um you you know you're you're uh, I don't know if you're a zoologist or what it is or <laughs> who you're gonna be but you, who knows if you want them in a bunch or if that draws more predators or if you right. want to spread them out over you know yeah, different you places think about in the putting pond all your eggs or, in one basket right. but then your your opponents should be allowed to like do things where they can they can make it more dangerous if you split up sure overstock but, the pond with largemouth bass right or, you know, right, right so like a, a simple example would be the largemouth bass pile. And so the bass starts in the center of the board, but you flip over and there's a a direction and he's going to move three spaces in that direction and he's going to take out anything in his path. So you can't be sure exactly what's going to happen from turn to turn from those that movement. And so that's a rule that comes to mind in that situation. Great. Great. All right. Um, Did you have any specific rule that I didn't? I uh, it was seeing having seen you. (laughs) <laughs> improvise like full full board games with with rules intact and be able to recount them a half an hour half an hour later intrigued me and so that one was that one was solely solely for you i think the aspect i liked of the situation having written it was that there was a large goal and a little goal that there was the maintenance of the ecosystem yes and then also just the the little goals of keeping your your tadpoles alive is in um even when I play a, like a video game and you can sort of level up a quality yes. that it's, you know, it always is kind of where do you prioritize your, you know, and I, I hate dying, yes. you know, so I always up my defense or my health as opposed to like my strength and my, you know, and my, uh, you know, killing abilities or whatever. Right. I'll always seek to like protect myself first, which is probably speaks to like 
how I walk around in the world too. I make a lot of my decisions All right. based solely like, am I protected in this way? Well, I was also going to go to a different one, but now you've segued into one that that I I was I thought I might not use this one, but I'll try it. Uh, um, so here's the situation: you have to make uh, an adventuring party. Oh. Out of you and four historical rulers. Ooh. And then that adventuring party is going to be dropped into some sort of like Dungeons and Dragons or or, or otherwise, you, you know, similar role playing game type scenario okay. where you need the kind of classic attributes that you would want in a D&D or whatever, you know. Yep. It, um, and you can assume one extra rule as long as we have rules <laughs> that I'll give you, is you can assume that there's some sort of common language that all all these folks can talk about okay. so that you're not... Because otherwise you might be inclined to say, well, communication is going to be important, so I'm only taking French speakers. Or right, right. So uh, you, you're going to get to pick four leaders from history, plus you, and that's an adventuring party. Okay. Um, so... All right, give me a con. I'll take Kubler okay. or Genghis, but I'll probably go Genghis. Okay. Um, I want, uh, um, uh, give me, uh, Edwin Rommel. Okay. I'll take, I'll take, right. Uh, and those, those I'm picturing is kind of like, like sort of grand scheme, uh, tacticians, uh, in that, in that sense, I'll probably take, uh, is it Lao Tzu, uh, Art okay. of War. Yeah. Um, and then I want Sun Tzu. Sun Tzu. Yep. Yeah. Sun Tzu. Um, I don't know who Lao Tzu is. Someone. Um, give me. I I feel like I I want like a Tom Jefferson. Okay. Uh, to kind of like, because I have I'm I'm stacking it with war. With, yeah, that's you know, what I like, thought. I, I thought you wanted a little bit of a. You got a lot of aggression yeah. in your first two, and then and then the art of war, of course, is is kind of both ways, right? It's defense and offense. Yeah. And I think I want someone, someone like Jefferson, assuming they'll, you know, that everyone's going to listen to each other and kind of respect each other. That's a little more, um, you know, flavor, can flavor uh, justice or or how these powers should balance a little bit in there. You know, Um, someone who's got some history with diplomacy and, you know, and that kind of, that kind of stuff as well. Um, And I feel like I need one more person like that. I want her... I wonder if Gandhi can punch. <laughs> you know? Well, I think it's smart that you, because um, a tough thing is you're talking about it's you. I think I said you plus four leaders, so you're, okay. yeah, you got up to the four. But um, the, the the fact is that you're talking about leaders, so it's one problem you're going to have right away mm-hmm. is it's a little bit like building an all star basketball team. Where sometimes the most valuable player is the guy who like is it doesn't have shoot. to have the ball. Yeah, yeah. And so if you can have a guy who, um, true facilitator on the floor. <laughs> so what I like about Jefferson, at least from my understanding of Jefferson, uh, is you know he had to deal with a bunch of very large egos where he wasn't always you know number one. Right. He was reporting to folks for a while. He was certainly. Um, you know, a big player in there, but he, he had to navigate massive different egos. And I guess uh, he could have gone Lincoln, but something about like one of the founding, it, it seemed like it's new, it's uncharted and something about like the adventuring party be like, Hey, this is brand new. We're right. in a spot where we don't have structures already in place. Like, um, where, uh, Lincoln seemed, you know, like 
America had been around for, you know, near nearly, yeah. uh, you know, 80 years or whatever. I mean, I do like a Washington or a Lincoln because they can, like you said, they can throw a punch. They're big guys. Yeah. They're going to get in there. They can wield, they can be your tanks. You know, you need somebody who can be like a healer of some sort. Right. So, you know, uh, I don't know who that's about. I mean, Gandhi could be a good one. I was one. trying to think of someone who'd be great since so often, you know, in adventuring parties, you're in, in the woods. And I was trying to think of also, like, I don't have anyone who's in there who, you know, would be great in like jungle and forest situations. Right. Um, yeah, you can't bring in Lewis and Clark and be like, <laughs> right. the great leaders, <laughs> right. remember? The, the, although, yeah, if I can have like Sacagawea, <laughs> right. you know, that would be helpful. And it seemed like another problem, I guess maybe this is why warmongers, you know, or, or warriors were first to mind is so often throughout history, that's how you got to be in power sure. is you killed a whole bunch of the other people. Um, right. And someone like Gandhi who became a leader, you know, nonviolently or whatever, is so so much tougher to find. And I also realize every time we talk about this, is like how little I know about. Oh yeah, really about anybody? Oh, like just really, a lot of my Jefferson stuff might come yeah. from things Beth told me about seeing Hamilton. Sure, uh, you know, like <laughs> sure. I mean, neither of us really know what we're talking about, no. but it's you know, it's just the thinking about uh, how you might how you might put it together, how you might put it together. One other rule I would do in that tadpole game. <laughs> is you got to have um you like to your point about there's small goals and big goals there's got to be uh an interesting scoring system at the end where it's not just about how many tadpoles oh, okay. did I keep alive but also you get points for your multiplied uh, by the health of your ecosystem yeah, or, yeah something like that where um you know the scoring systems are all really really important when you're thinking about how to do it and and it's always great if you can have a graceful scoring system like I, um, but it's hard to do that. Yeah. All right. You ready for one? I am. All right. Here's the situation. A devious king or queen comes up to you and says, your life is in danger by me. Uh, I want you to go exactly one mile away from here. With me here, I have random uh, wood, wood lengths of rope scissors you know saws to cut to cut these items into into whatever whatever shape or size you want you have six hours to get to your final stopping point which needs to be one mile away from the spot on which you're standing once that happens once you stop a 100 foot radius circle will be drawn around you if one mile from that point doesn't fall within that circle you will be killed how do you go about with the materials at hand getting exactly one mile away from this point. Okay, wait, so sorry, so... And what chances do you give yourself of surviving? All right, so I've got to go... I, I lost it a little bit in the middle. So I, I've got all these different things, and I, I need to finish exactly one mile one away. One mile away, yep. And we'll assume over flat ground, uh, you know, it's just a, a flat field in every direction. Okay, and what is going to happen exactly that... At, at Once the, you stop and say this is my this is my stopping point, yes. they're going to draw a 100 foot radius circle from where you're standing, yes. and then they'll measure one mile. Oh, exactly. and if I didn't hit it, correct? Yeah. So the the game is really how do I with these various accoutrements uh, make the best possible guess as to what's one mile? One mile. Yep. Okay, and so I've got some rope, um, and I got six hours. So the first thing I'm going to do is just pace it off. Uh, so it's, what, 5,280 feet, 1,609 meters, 1,600. No, 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 no. Uh, yeah, 1,609 meters, 
So I'm going to try to step off like 1609. And frankly, I think I can do that within 100, 100 yards. Just by steps? I think I would be able to do it. Um, yeah, you'd be, you'd be, but if you're paranoid. off, you know, if you're off by four inches well, sure. that many times. Oh yeah. Yeah. If I'm just, you know, if the step's not quite right. <laughs> um, and also I don't, you know, I have like some context of a mile, but most of the miles that I've run thinking about exactly how far they are, I've been around track and yeah. been divided in, into quarters. So, <clears throat> oh, and you can have a piece of paper and a notebook too if you right. uh, if you needed to write anything. But down. so, uh, what what all is at my disposal? I got some ropes. Some you got some scissors. rope. You got some. Yeah, you got some wood. You got uh, you got things to cut those things. But that's about it. Yeah. Okay. So, I think um, I ought to be able to ballpark pretty good, like. So, so again, I'm going to take the first 30 minutes to go out and pace a mile, put, uh, and I'm going to take some of the wood and I'm going to put like a stake right there. Okay. So that I can remember, right? Because when I walk back, I'm surely going to forget, <laughs> you know, where it is. And then, um, and I don't have like a stopwatch, right? That's not mm-hmm. one of the things. So I'm going to, um, then I'm going to, I'm going to go back. I'm then going to take 30 minutes to cut a piece of wood like as good as I can uh, to be um, a, a foot. Okay. Because I think I'm f- pretty familiar with a ruler exact. I could get the sense of that in my hands. And then I'm going to, um, <clears throat> I'm going to flip that over as many times as I can onto a piece of wood. So meaning like if, if I have a piece of wood, that's as long as this thing is exactly 10 times. Great. Like, yep. so that now I have a 10 foot, uh, pole that I think is likely 10 feet. And then I have a lot of context and, you know, historically for what's 10 feet, yep. including a basketball goal. So now I know I got to do 528 10 foot rollouts with my 10 foot pole. Yep. And I think I can do that. You know, I think I can be, I can more or less go a pretty straight line to that big piece of wood that I planted a mile out. You know what? I'm going to take a bunch of the other stuff that I don't think I need. And I'm going to like, I'm going to, I don't know if I can tie a rope or something that where I can see it. Cause it's not gonna be that easy to see just a, a, a five foot stake in the ground a mile away. So I'm gonna have to think about what, what that's going to, what, what I can do to be make, make sure I can see it. And then I'm going to take my 10 foot wood thing and flip it over on itself 528 times. Right. And then I'm going to, hopefully that lands, you know, well within a hundred feet of the stake I already have out there. And if, um, if, if they're like 20 feet apart, I'll probably go equidistant in between them. Um, if they're like, Oh God, if they're like, uh, more than a hundred <laughs> yards apart, then I'm probably going to go back and see if I can't figure out other ways to, to validate that. I think that's a 10 foot, uh, wooden stake and if so i'm gonna i'm gonna redo what i already did with that wooden stake and i'm gonna trust that more than my step off yeah all right and by this point i'm probably getting close to my six hours yeah yeah i hadn't thought about going out to put that stake out so i had i had a, a spot to to orient towards but when i was starting to think about it, i was like what do i know for sure because like if i think i know a foot man if i'm wrong by an inch and a half 
and I do it five, you know, oh, yeah. five fifty two hundred and eighty times, I'm way, you know, I'm way the hell off. Oh yeah. You're, you're so the thing I went with is like, I know I'm six one. So if I stand against a board, pencil it up there, mm. try and take one inch off of it, I think I'd be pretty darn close to six to six foot. And then if I either get a board that's six foot or if there's a longer board twelve foot, then I would just like tumble that thing, you know, place it, lift it, place it, right. you know, um, each time. And I think I could get pretty, pretty darn close. But it was the only thing I thought of, like, every time I've been measured since I was, you know, 20 years old, I'm 6'1", I'm 6'1", I'm 6'1". I know that for sure. Whereas I don't know for certain how to measure off a foot given just me yeah. and my, you know, me and my body. So that was, it was basically what you would do of tumbling, of, you know, Flipping over a piece of wood you over that You get your shoes distance. off. What's that? You get your shoes, shoes off, off. Yeah. And you just take the piece of wood and you put it at your head and you measure it yourself. I would be a little worried. You do I mean, have I, a pencil and paper. Right. I like that idea. I would be a little worried that I wouldn't get it clean. Also, I'm not sure whether I'm closer to, I think I'm a little closer to six feet than 5'11, but I'm not positive. Mm. So that half inch, again, Multiplied by a lot of times, but I think over the over six feet, it gives me with maybe the same margin of error that I would get from measuring a foot. Mm-hmm. Then I, you know, I have fewer times to be off by that by that much. And if I could get a twelve foot stick and maybe yeah. only be off, you know, like an inch on it, then then I think I got a decent chance. Yeah. Now in high school, uh, I could have done this very easily. Because back then I was running 40 to 60 miles a week at seven and a half minutes a mile. And I knew exactly what it felt like to run a seven and a half minute mile. So if I were, and I would just count in my head and I would run, um, I'd run eight miles, you know, I'd, I'd run it. Well, I'd probably run it, jog back, run it, jog back, run it, jog back, run it, jog back, you know, until basically until I got too tired and and say, okay, here you go. I think think I've got to figure it out. Um, I, and you know, you could. You could make some sort of thing in the ground to uh, to make it. I like it. Yeah. I, I th- by the way, I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna pass that challenge. Yeah. I, I, I give myself it, like an eighty percent chance of making it. And what? What? I had a hundred yards. Hundred feet. Hundred feet. feet oh, hundred feet 100 radius feet. circle. Uh. Mm, yeah. I think I'm over fifty percent. Maybe not eighty, but uh, you know, I don't hate my chances. That's mm-hmm. for sure. Okay, here's the situation. You are selected to be the campaign manager slash hype man for a legitimate presidential campaign for Peyton Manning. Okay. I, I don't care whether you want Peyton Manning to be president or not personally. Okay. I don't. It doesn't matter whether you truly believe he would be a good president or not. It doesn't matter because you care about your job and you're going to do it as well as you can. All right. And so I'm going to give you one minute to give me your best pitch for why Peyton Manning should be president of the United States, I will then be allowed a one-minute rebuttal. Okay. And then you get the last word. Oh, boy. You get the last word. So you have to sell – got to sell me as hard as you can on Peyton Manning. Why he would be a good president and not why we, uh, I could get him elected president. This is you're, – you're in a debate – you're you're like the vice president or whatever, and and the question comes up, you know, why would Peyton Man? Why will Peyton? Why will Peyton Manning make a great president? 
next president. And you you have to come up. I mean, look, I think both of us would probably say Peyton Manning should not be the next president. Sure. Of the United States. So I'm going to have a little bit of an certainly as a position. Patriots fan, I would still I would <laughs> right. still not want. Well, you, yeah. if you want, you can choose. You can change it to Tom Brady. <laughs> But I think I'll have a field no, day. I'd, I'd have a harder you're, time. You're welcome. I'd, I'd to, have an even harder time. <laughs> you're welcome to change it, Tom Brady. But I, you know, I think it's less with Tom Brady in the MAGA hat. We just have like there's too many, um, yeah, too many issues. Yeah, I hear you. That, I'd have a hard time. So, okay. So I have one minute. You got mm, one minute, boy. This is tough. And it's not tough. It's scary. Uh, all right. Well, when's the last time Tennessee football was really, really viable? Yeah. And and guess who was running the show, running the on field show at at that at that point, our man Peyton Manning. Um, he worked uh, at the at the height of his profession, um, in incredibly under difficult and challenging circumstances. And I've never heard anyone say a bad word about him. He worked well with his coaches. He worked well with people underneath him, so he could both. Um, wield power, but also respect respect others' authority. He didn't have to operate as a as as a diva. He was good making decisions on the fly. Um, a lot of Omaha's. You can you can expect a lot of Omaha's, but the man can man can audible at the line based on changing circumstances quickly. He has uh, universal appeal. It seems like there isn't anyone that doesn't like him, and I would like that um, from a diplomacy standpoint that he seems to be able to speak easily with huge you know power power figures and also just the the common person i would say right. just you're you're, you're over Adam, your minute okay great so uh, well done well done i will uh i'll give a short rebuttal and then and when you, and when you can go uh watch the snl thing about the boys club it's just a right <laughs> right nice gotta get the last word you will you will get the final word okay but i would so i get one minute of response and then you get a minute um to just give me 30 seconds. Yeah, I'll give you 30 seconds. Like, yeah, that seems fair. Uh, okay, so I'll start. So, uh, you know, I'm going to start with my esteemed colleague, uh, Mr. Jagodowski, who I have a lot of respect for. Uh, started off. I already look like a jerk. Uh, started off his um, his sale on Peyton Manning by saying, when was the last time Tennessee football was good? Well, the last time they won the national championship was when T. Martin was quarterback the year after Peyton Manning left. <laughs> They couldn't win the big game with Peyton Manning there. And we're talking, we're not asking for someone. We don't want a leader who can get you to the Citrus Bowl for three out of four years. We don't want a leader who lost to Florida in the biggest game of his career all four years in a row. I mean, Steve Spurrier would be a better president if we're going off of that. T. Martin would be a better president. He's the one that came in and cleaned up for, for Peyton Manning. So we're not trying to elect the best possible next president by having Peyton Manning come up there and almost do a good job and then bring him in. Instead, we want the best president. So I have to start with that. And then I just have to make two quick points. One is he has no experience whatsoever in <laughs> politics, like none. The guy is a football player, doesn't seem to have any interest in, in politics. He's never held any office. And here he is running for president. And 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 secondly, I'll just say like I, I have heard you know a few bad words said about the guy. I'm not going to besmirch his character any further than I need to, other than to say never ran for office. T. Martin won won the national championship for Tennessee. Vote no on Peyton Manning. To to your second to last point, I have no response. Uh, clearly, he has had no political experience. Uh, uh, he's my he's my client. I I didn't, I didn't <laughs> oh, no. choose him. Oh, no. but, 
you know, you know, you're right. And Brady and Brady beat his ass up and down. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Here you're right. Comes. This guy, Here this guy comes. has no business being anywhere near the White House. <laughs> Forget it. He, you know, obviously he can't choose his friends properly. He worked for, he bought a bunch of Papa Johns. Yeah. This, this guy, you're right. You're right. I'm, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Fair enough. It was unfair to make a <laughs> lifelong uh, Patriots fan. You did a good job. I, I especially like the point about, hey, look, you know, you're, like, what do you think? Everything goes to plan when you're president of the United States? You want a guy famous for being able to audible, for looking at, you know, you got to be both strategic and tactical. Paid Manny is those things. I like that point. I do think he can probably talk to just about anybody, too, that, yeah. like, you could introduce him to a president and he'd be able to to hang tight you can introduce him to your buddies from your from your rec league basketball team and you'd be all right with those hey people, seems I like it. i mean certainly people have argued that certain people shouldn't be president because they can't exhibit a sense of humor or, or yeah. likability and peyton is very well spoken and you know I, right. I could see him having a career in politics but it'd be hard yeah. for him to go straight president that was a little unfair but like, <laughs> you give me this situation i know and that's totally <laughs> Totally Shanghai me on your, but I also thought that like the T Martin point was good enough. And, Absolutely was, you know. it was. Um, all right, uh, shall we tackle the one we did at the top? Uh, sure. All right, so here's the situation, Rush. You can take any unwritten rule in sports and make it a written rule, or you can unwrite any written rule that exists currently. And we'll say in the yeah, any sport, any sport. I was going to say the four majors, but we don't, we don't need to. Yeah. Um, if you want to rewrite some Olympics, it's Olympic interesting because I, I, I prepared uh, my own situation. We're not going to do them both, but it was, you become the secretary of sports, uh, and you're allowed to add one rule or change one rule each month. Mm -hmm. And what's the first one, uh, that you add, but, but your question is a little different because on mine, I was thinking, and a lot of people will probably hate this, but I, I am very intrigued to see in soccer, which I really enjoy watching soccer, but I don't like penalty kicks. And, and most people mm -hmm. do like penalty kicks. So I understand that my, my rule is going to be unpopular, but I like in hockey. Well, I'm sorry, just out of curiosity, would you go full time, full squads up until a sudden death goal is scored? No. Okay. So this is my rule that I was going to add is that in hockey, they go from uh, five players down to three for the overtime. What I would do is in soccer, Every five minutes, a player has to okay. leave the field gotcha. for both teams. So you start 11 all, then go down to 10, then nine players, and eight players, and seven players, six players. Eventually, you're going to be able to get a couple of goalies uh, out there whacking it around. Yeah, at each oh, other. there would have to be a stopping point. So I'd, I'd need to construct it a little better. But anyway, to to your question, I get to. There's no un, I'm not worried about right, codifying unwritten rules because mm -hmm. for the most part they are observed. Hmm. I'll tell. I've been thinking a lot about this, and I'm not sure I actually would do it. But part of me wants to say you only get one serve in tennis. Oh, really? Okay. So change the rule that you can have a fault. And the reason is, in tennis, is probably my favorite sport. People will listen to that and think like, "Oh, he's an idiot. He doesn't know anything about tennis." <laughs> but I love tennis, and I do think that the the dominance of the server. Um, is, is slightly on the uptick. It's not as much as people are worried about, but I, it does concern me for the future with the new rackets, uh, the new string technology, the new ball technology, the ball's flying a little bit more, and you're having 
servers who can serve over 70%, these, you know, massive serves, and you're getting players that I, I think otherwise are not my favorite to watch play tennis. I think it's hurting the aesthetic of the game overall. Like Isner or something? Being yeah, okay. like I'm not, a, I'm not a fan of watching Isner play because... And you know he he's he, he's developed his overall game uh, certainly, and I, I wouldn't say that he you know is totally one dimensional. But like Karlovic and Isner are are tough for me to watch because the points are so short, and I'm not I, I'm not interested. But in the that. matches are eternal. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> like here you go. It's the best of both worlds. You get the longest possible match of the worst possible quality tennis along the way, and it's all like. It's people bouncing the ball, serving, and then going in and getting balls from ball boys and, and repeat. Like nobody wants to watch that. So I think if you even even these great servers, if they had to serve kind of only second serves, you would have um you'd you'd have a, a much more interesting game. But um I also say that like being a huge Federer fan, and I think it would hurt him versus like a Djokovic. Like Djokovic would basically become unbeatable. Gotcha. So Anyway, that that's the first one that jumps to mind. How about you? So you get to change one rule, make right yeah. codify one unwritten rule, and or I, remove one that is written. And I do worry a little bit that it would take some of the charm out of it by making it a written rule. Um, uh, one of my favorite things in all of sport, and it's of of the four of the four majors, it's the one I follow the least. But I love at the end of a hockey uh, at the end of a hockey series that they line up and shake hands mm -hmm. i think it's great and i don't know if it brings me back to playing like little league where you had to go good game good game good game all the way down the line but like the camaraderie there's more often than not as opposed to like dudes being upset at all with each other or you know or animosity between there's a real camaraderie there's dudes really congratulating guys who you know like when ovechkin got to go to the finals finally that the 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 congratulatory line at the end was like the dudes on the other team were kind of happy there's dudes who were like happy that he got to go you know like um or when i think it was ray bork i think it was with the avalanche like dudes on the other squad were really happy for him you got to see like dudes who played together on national teams each to each other who were you know just rivals on the on the ice 10 minutes previous being happy for each other so there's something about that that i would like to see that over all sports at the end, maybe not in the NFL on a, on a weekly basis, but at the end of series, series victories, divisional champion, you know, um, conference championships or whatever. And I think it would just be a hoot in some of the NBA ones where dudes really don't like each other right. and yeah, have to sure. go by and, you know, and congratulate each other, at least handshake and say good game or whatever. But like I said, I worry that it's, it seems so genuine in hockey when I've seen it that I wonder if it would just be like, uh, you know, if, if you made it a written role that it would be all the charm of it would be, would be lost, but I'd still like right. to see it. I, in the NBA, there's an unwritten rule that at the end of the series, you should go handshake everybody. Cause then that one is most noticed in it's, um, fa you know, uh, failure to observe. Right. When dudes go right to the locker room yeah. or, yeah, there's always a bit of a stink about it. And then everybody says, well, you know, it's not required. And, uh, I'd like to see it in baseball. I guess oftentimes the on-field celebration would, yeah. you know, preclude it. But if they had to, you know, even settle that do down like for that a couple minutes. Uh, yeah. It is fun in baseball that they get to do that. 
um, in what's sometimes a pretty slow game to have that yeah. exciting thing at the end. And I like to see at least tested on a week, maybe on a weekly basis. Week six, the, the you know, the Niners yeah. have to go out and good game the Ravens, you know. Like, there's something about, you know, you got to be like skating around and you kind of skate out to the center <laughs> and have that handshake. Line. I mean, what's your thought on exchanging jerseys in, in soccer? I love I- Great with it. I'm yeah. great with it. Yeah. I think it's really cool. I actually have never been necessarily been a huge Dwayne Wade fan. I like seeing Dwayne Wade exchange exchange jerseys with, you know, with other teams. Right. Um I, I like I like I like it all. It, it's I do get fired up about my sports and I for example really like hating the Yankees. Right. But I don't mind seeing post that game the camaraderie, I guess. I don't want to see it before cuz in the end it is it is, you know, it is just, just flat out entertainment, and so I don't want to make it more, I guess, more serious than it than it right. is in my head. Any rule that you thought of that um, is an existing rule that you'd like to remove? Nothing. I came up offhand. The other thing, I'm a huge baseball fan, and it's it's not, I guess it's not even an unwritten rule. It's a it's a it's a a common practice. I hate the size of the strike zone three zero, and I hate the size of the strike zone o two. When in comparison to where the strike zone has been the entire rest of yeah. the count or the game, I, I really dislike that. So that that was the that's funny that you say that because that was the other one. I, I wanted to talk about the tennis one because I think very few people talk about that and it's pretty interesting to me. But the <clears throat> I'm actually in favor of. Again, I'm in the minority. <clears throat> Excuse me, but I, I'm in favor of robot uh, strike zone. Robot or? strike zone, yeah. absolutely. I, I it, to me, it's absurd that we don't have it. But I am a uh, Atlanta Braves fan, and I lived through the Eric Gregg game, mm-hmm. and we, I mean, we were robbed of a chance to go to the World Series by like a ludicrously bad strike zone, and it just shouldn't be. I mean, you know, like, strike zone, um, kind of where it's called, or where they used to say like letters, letters to the knees. Uh, strike zone, uh, uh, is it is it you know six inches different on a guy who's five eight as opposed to a guy who's six two? Um, is it, so is it based on the, the sure. body of the person? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't look, and I don't even really care. Like, I, I mean, pick, pick whatever the umpires overall think is the best uh, and best for the game and the right way to, to structure it. Just have it be consistent. Yeah. I mean, I, I think of, you know, replay in sports. We, we don't, you know, we could spend an entire yeah podcast on that for sure. Pass but, interference <clears throat> calls replay is going to be. Yeah, I don't, so I, you know, I, I don't really like it. I, I think that, and I'm a pretty strong advocate of replay generally. Like, I, I think it's crazy that people are like, get rid of replay. I hate it. I'm like, if a guy fumbled and they miss that call and blow it for the game, it's just totally, it, that's horrible. Mm-hmm. And we can, you know, you're already watching a three and a half hour football game. The fact that eight minutes is tacked on for total replay time, like, you know, cry me a river. Right. Like, it, it, it's, we're getting more of something that we already like, okay? Tennis is obviously the best replay. Like, everyone loves the tennis replay yep. system, and it cr- corrects it a problem. Gets cheers yeah. in the arena, right? And it's, you know, it happens very quick. It barely takes any time away. But as big a replay advocate as I am, I, I'm with everybody on this. Why are we stopping basketball games 11 seconds yeah, right. in to determine whether a guy committed a flagrant one foul? Or, you know, why why do we have to have a six-minute... Uh, you know, three refs at the monitor talking about this thing towards the end where everybody gets a free timeout that they shouldn't get. And so a lot of these things, I think uh, on replay, it's like, 
we we should go back to this kind of clear and convincing evidence standard, which is it has to be incontrovertible. Yeah. And then we should just let, you know, for the NFL or NHL or whatever, um, borrow, or I should say, borrow that NHL thing and just say, hey, I don't care. Just put three guys in, in the thing in New York and they look and they watch the pass interference. If we have to have replay on pass interference, I want them to decide it. Right. They ring the guy. His buzzer's red or his buzzer's green. And he just says, okay, sorry, there was pass yeah. interference. Is it is the, the amount of slowdown in the game for the sake of getting it right? I mean, like, you never want to get it wrong, but you want the, the – there's no flow. You don't want to remove the flow from the game for the sake of getting it right, right? I mean, Yeah, but again, I think there's, there's a continuum. So, hey, can I tell if, you know, the ball – the ground caused the fumble or not? That's usually like we've gotten pretty good at being able to tell that relatively quickly. We had that like ludicrous situation for a while about and it's still tough about what is a catch and what isn't. And I think like when you are into like esoteric debates and stuff, it's just like, let let it stand. Let's just move on. You know, we don't need to have, you know, 15 minutes on something that even when you finish, no two people know what the damn rule is. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm totally fine for replay on, you know. Look, like, the World Cup for a while didn't have replay, even though they had the technology to tell whether the goal, the ball had gone into the goal. I mean, come <laughs> on. We're, we wait for four years. A billion people are watching. Hundreds of billions of dollars are expended for this overall process. And then it's like, well, the ref missed and it. There's only you know? a goal or two a game. Yeah, too. right, right. The score was 1-0. And it's like, what are you, you going to do? Like, the, you know, he missed that the ball crossed the goal line. Like, no. You know, we can hey, we can solve this could for that. get this guy killed back in Colombia. Yeah, we gotta sure. know. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. So uh, you know, anyway, I, I, I would I, I yeah, I, I think I would I would change some <laughs> stuff about replay. I, I'm not excited about the new regime where we're gonna start to question judgment calls on on PI. I mean, we all get it, you know, the Saints got screwed, it was an obvious missed call. But I I struggle to think of that many other examples where I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, there was a clear missed PI call, right? And instead, we're going to deal with a a lot of examples of, I don't know, maybe it was, yeah. maybe it wasn't, and it gets changed, and you just say this is ridiculous. Well, we don't want esoteric debate on our on our our sporting our sporting fields, but we need it for the sake of this podcast. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> Uh, thanks to Nate Dufork for uh, for producing it, Julie Nichols for doing the music, and if you want to get in contact with us, try Here's the Situation podcast at Gmail. Look forward to uh, reading anything you might you might want to write us. Uh, on behalf of Rush Howell, this is TJ Jagodowski. This was Here's the Situation. Look forward to talking to you next time. <laughs>